Good morning, everybody. Hope you can all find a seat. I know we're pretty full in here this morning. Good morning. I have one or two more in the kitchen. Go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Uh, Then it's a, yeah, it's, yeah. (laughs) Come to the sex seminar where we will talk about Passover on unleavened bread. Yes. (laughs) Well, uh, let's just get started. So, um, yeah, my original title was, you know, what does Passover mean? But really, it's more about what does it mean, uh, or what does Passover and unleavened bread mean to us? You know, we... We all have different things about the symbolism and the imagery that we have in Passover and Unleavened Bread that maybe might jump out more to us than to others. And really, I just wanted this to be an opportunity for us to share thoughts and ideas and insight that we we may have. And because I have the microphone, I thought I'd go first. Um, So in uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, This is a passage that I always think about when we think about eating the the body and the blood of Jesus. Um, I don't know why, it's just always in my head and this is connected to it. And there's some interesting things I'd like to just kind of mention to to start our conversation. So Paul says, and do this knowing the time that it is now high time to awake out of sleep For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, let us put on the armor of light. Let's walk uh, properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And it's that last part that I always tie into unleavened bread uh, and by being Jesus, eating of him, it's putting him on and then making no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And so it's, you know, it's, it's the antithesis of, of eating Jesus, eating his word, eating his nature, imbibing him into us. Uh, when Jesus says, eat my body, drink my blood, um, this scripture comes to mind. And in here, there are five things that I think are important. Um, These are five things that Paul says in this passage that are affirming. You know, he says, avoid these other things, but the the positive affirming things to, to do is firstly, beware of the time. So we can take that as being aware of our own our own mortality, right? Our own lifetime. Where, where are we in our life? But also, where are we in the life of the world? And being aware of the times around us and what's going on in society around us. <coughs> and therefore, being aware of the time, it's time for us to wake up out of our sleep. Which is always interesting because he's assuming that we're asleep. You know? Uh, it's not like, if you're asleep, wake out of sleep. It's actually, you're probably asleep. And so we, we, you know, we have that message there to wake up. So beware of the time. The alarm, the alarm clock has gone off. Wake up. Then stop doing the works of darkness or the hidden things that are in the dark. right? The, the hidden activities or thoughts or things that we... Uh, might do in the darkness. Walk properly in the daylight. So the daylight is here. It's, you know, it's shining in our souls. It's shining in our life. Then we should conduct ourselves as though we are walking in the day. And then put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then how do we do that? How do we put on the Lord Jesus Christ? And what's interesting as well is the way he goes through these lists of things the last thing 
is the thing we should do first, which then takes care of all the other things. So it's almost like he's building to the point. We still need to put on the armor of light. We still need to walk properly in the day. But the way in which we do those things is by eating and imbibing Jesus Christ into us, putting his nature into us. In John 6, 50, uh, yeah, John 6 verse 53, I think we read this the other, the other day. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which has come down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. So to me, this, uh, what I would actually say is a eight-day period, right, of we have Passover and then the seven days of unleavened bread. Interesting that there's eight days in the spring and then there's the eight days in the fall. And so this eight-day process here is to help us refocus, isn't it? Refocus for this new year, what's coming in this year, how are we going to grow in Jesus Christ? How are we going to eat him, drink his blood? And it still sounds very strange to our ears, doesn't it? I think, uh, I can't remember who it was uh, yesterday in, in your seminar, Steve. Somebody said, everywhere in the Bible we're told not, was, was it you, Keith, everywhere in the Bible... Yeah, we're told not, was it Sarah? Causing trouble again. We're told not to drink blood. We're told not to do that. And then we get to this moment where it's to drink the blood of Jesus. Um, and of course, there's uh, the spiritual element is what we're really talking about. But the way I break it out in my mind is that the, the word, right, that we read, and we know that Jesus was the Word, the Word was made flesh, that's the bread. I mean, the Word was made flesh. And so, when we read the Word, we study the Word, we imbibe the Word, we're, we're eating the bread. <clears throat> Jesus said we're eating the flesh. So what is the blood? What is the blood? Any ideas? Go ahead. Yeah, so it's spirit. So 
the, the blood really at this point then in our life is the spirit of God working in us, right? And then that connects us to when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Right? The branches receive a, for a plant the blood supply, you know, that, that uh, nutrients that flow from the vine into the branches. So that also then says it's not static. It's not, you're convicted of your sins, you become baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit, that's it. It is a constant supply, right? That blood supply, what was it, Steve? Every X number of days, I can't remember it was. 120 days, the blood is fully replaced. Um, I think I think we can learn a lot from that because it's supposed to be a process where we are constantly receiving nutrients through that spiritual blood. Right? Just to emphasize what Ken said, right there in John chapter 6, when he was talking about Jesus beginning in the I think that's the area where I know I, I feel the most challenged, right? Because we want to do things in our own strength, our own energy, our lo- own life force. We even feel a responsibility, right? We're, we're taught from, from childhood to take on responsibility, and you're an adult now, and you've got to, adulting is hard, and you know, all of those things, right? And all those memes that we see. How do we operate? on the life force, the spiritual life force of Christ Jesus, as opposed to our own. And it's found in relationship. It's found in that constant connection. So it's prayer life, of course, but then it's, it's allowing him to work in us. It's being receptive to the Holy Spirit, to taking a pause, you know, and that's one of the things I am really trying to do better about in my prayer life, is make your requests known, but then be quiet and listen. Listen for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Listen for the direction. Yeah, it may come in the form of a scripture comes to mind. When I was starting to write my message for yesterday, blank slate. I mean, I had some things, but then I felt like, no, that's not exactly where I'm supposed to go. So new prayer and prayed, listened, waited, and that scripture came. And you know, I think that's a built-in process, isn't it? I mean, as human beings, we, we want to move on to the next thing. It's kind of we're desirous of we kind of get bored in some ways, maybe, and we want something new. We want something more interesting. And unfortunately, the world has got a whole list of things that says, "Hey, you know, want to buy a watch?" You know, and it's this whole menagerie of of enticing what is natural in us is to develop, to grow, to move on to the next thing, achieve that, do the same thing. And you're right, we can, we can turn that into growth in Christ Jesus, into that relationship, into the, the using of the Spirit. 
I, I love the analogy that, that C.S. Lewis has. He talks about this, you're climbing this hill, right? You're climbing this mountain, and you get all the way to the peak of the mountain. You've learned how to, to deal with the oxygen deprivation and, and climb the rocks and get to the tip, and then you're ill-equipped for what's next. What's next is you jump off the mountain and fly. And you're supposed to be a whole different creature by the time you get to that point. And that's what we're working toward, that this human nature is nothing in comparison right, to what will be revealed in us. And so I almost look at it as the spirit in some ways is an operating system that we're barely scratching the surface of understanding how it works. And at some point, we are going to have to thoroughly step into that and leave our physical body behind. And if we don't fully mature, too, right? Yeah. If we're just stay, you know, in the third, in the second trimester, and we're not ready for the third trimester and the birth, you know, we're we're, we're not going to be mature enough to handle the birthing process, let alone what's outside of the womb. There. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens in the world around us ultimately, or our bodies that are not operating as well as we think they should. All of those things are just fleeting, right? Just, just a moment. So it sounds like we, we're very much in agreement. We're all thinking the same thing. David, did you have a point? So surprising. I only got worse. Sarah, you're supposed to have fixed that.
And then what happens with those first fruits? It's reburied in the ground and becomes more. Yeah, and it, well, that ties in with what Paul says, right? I think it's Paul. Maybe it's in Hebrews, I forget now, but that the whole creation groans, right? Waiting for the birth of the children of God because it of itself is going to be redeemed. The whole creation is going to be redeemed. You know, and uh, Jesus said, you know, unless that one grain of, of wheat is, dies and buried in the ground, it won't produce. And he's producing, he's going to produce with us, you know, throughout our process. So there's a flip side to all this then. So if we, if physically we are uh, what we eat, right? So I don't know if you've ever seen, there was a commercial one time where um, it showed people eating bad foods like a donut, and then you saw them walk off in the distance and their, their butt was a big donut, or, or there was a guy with a steak and then his middle was a big steak, you know, and, we are what we eat. We know, we know that. Our body absorbs the things that we consume. And sometimes it replaces the good things that we should consume right, with the bad things that we consume. So thinking about it in reverse, how are we not eating the body and drinking the blood? Because that's really where the rubber meets the road and on a daily basis, every day. Get up. Time to make the donuts, right? We, we get into our routine. We, we work or we go to school or we teach or whatever it may be. What are we placing in our lives that are either not eating the body and drinking the blood or um, are replacing it or diminishing the effect of that healthy meal? Spiritual junk food. That's right. So this is what I have down on here. This is my list. Some of this may be, <laughs> seem kind of crazy. Social media. Been hopping on about social media for a while. I actually uninstalled Facebook from my phone as far as the app is concerned. Still have the account because we want to advertise things in church and stuff like that. The occasional uh, message to friends. And that, that's fine. But I, don't, I didn't want all the prompts. I didn't want the intrusion from my device that we have then trained the, you know, the bell rings or the phone buzzes, ooh, what's that? And that's where my focus goes. Social media, so-called news, or as Sir and I were talking about uh, yesterday, the leftist media and marketing company, because that's all news, uh, it really is. Journals, articles, books that do not edify, that are in the opposition to Paul's five affirmative steps, right? That they're not edifying. The lusts of the world, the consumer society, for me, the next gadget, and then the next gadget, and then the next gadget. Because every time you get a new gadget, it's like, it's great, and the excitement lasts for about eight seconds, and now it's on to the next one. And then listening to the voice of the enemy. Those are mine. Uh, the voice of the enemy. Not good enough. Not anywhere near Christ-like enough. Not, not even God can save this particular soul. All of those negative, attacking, undermining voices of the enemy, right? So your, your list may be different. I'd be curious if you want to share any of your lists. You know, it can be a little revealing, but th those are the things we go to that instead of eating the body and the blood. 
It's like a yeah. spiritual famine, right? Because yeah. we don't realize that's what we're doing. Yeah, you know, and thinking about that, I used to kind of look at, you know, even study, certainly in my younger years, as, as it's, it's work. Like, oh, I've got to use energy and get this done, and I know I should, and it'll be good for me when I'm there. And, but then I realized, you know, how do we eat food? We don't just, you know, take the grain, cook it, and then pick it up with our hands and mush it in our mouth. We don't just kill the critter and grill it and pick it up and tear it apart. We, we use instruments, right? We use a knife and a fork. We use a plate. We use pans. We use all these things to help us prepare our food, you know, and add some seasoning and so on. And I've realized that books, study guides, other people's work that can help us, they're like those instruments, those tools that can help us. I used to think, no, I've just got to solely jump into the scriptures. All right, I'm going to read the Bible this year, and you hit numbers, and then that's it. Okay. You know, there are smarter ways of doing it, and that's why I think Paul says, you know, whatever is good, whatever is holy, or good report, these things include into your study. And so using study guides, using tools that have been built for us, and then, man, once you just start, like what we're doing today, we're just throwing out some questions, and before we know it, we're digging really deep and going in really fun places. And it's invigorating and can help us start the day. You know, I need help to start the day. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I was just thinking about what Ken said earlier about the blood. You know, that, that dehydration, that some of the things that that does is it, it thickens your blood. Right. It thickens your blood. And what does that make you at risk of? Stroke. Heart attack, a stroke, uh, you know, lots of, lots of issues. Think about that in the sense of the spirit is the lifeblood, and we're going to constrict that lifeblood. 
to our existence. You can die from that. Spiritual death. Yeah, we don't realize we make a lot of those things around us. And even our own anxieties, our ruminating thoughts, our, our failings, we start to almost worship them. Yeah. Hydration. Probably will. We'll all be there with you. It's only weird if they start talking back. No, well, that's true. Well, you know, we have examples in but then you might be in big trouble. Pick it. It really is. I mean, and I, I think I'm probably going to tell on Renee and I, but, you know, we, we always have screened our TV content and our entertainment if we wanted to watch a, a television show, but no more. Uh, you know, or not as strong as we did once we had boys that could understand what was going on in those those shows. You know, our, our kids are around those, and we're like, oh, I remember Back to the Future being much nicer than what it actually is. You know, there's content in there that somehow we forget or we didn't pay attention to. I'm like, this is a great movie. I watched this when I was a kid. Why did I watch this when I was a kid? Wow. So, I mean, you just learn, you know, I know I'm, you know, beating myself up a little bit, but we, we learn those things, and we learn what is healthy food, 
what is unhealthy food. And this term came to my mind earlier when I was thinking about this. Um, and it's not as the world would see it, because some of these terms here have bad connotations now. But what we are being called to become is extreme fundamentalist Christians. Right? It, we're not being called to be a Christian that goes to church on Saturday or you know, Sunday or whatever, and then the rest of the week is totally worldly and fits in with everything else. We are called to be extreme fundamentalist Christians. Zealots, they would call us nuts. Hence, I agree with you, we'll end up in the nut house. And the, the world sees those terms as, oh, well, you know, we, we want to blow things up or hurt people. No. An extreme fundamentalist Christian will give their life for someone, will give their life force on a regular basis, serving. Huh? Yeah? Yeah. I mean, we all feel that, right? I mean, you know, people are like, well, that's weird. You're following the holy days and the law of God and, and, and your practice? That's weird. I mean, that's just a very small part of it. But then you start to add real, full Christian living and how we treat one another. And if we're standing out as generous and kind and patient, gracious, and all those things that we're called to be, and that we will naturally be if we just eat the body and drink the blood, right? If we'll just do those, that, that, these other things, we can't help but bear those fruits, and we will look crazy, you know? And, and, and I think I've told you this joke many times. It's not really a joke. It really happened, but, you know, I, uh, I worked at a company, and my boss wasn't familiar with the holy days or anything like that, and I told him I needed the time off for for first day of unleavened bread, and he sent out an email to the entire team saying, Matt's going to be off for a holy day this day. He's celebrating the feast of uneven bread. <laughs> and all day long, everybody's coming by and like, what is uneven bread? What is wrong with you? <laughs> unleavened bread. And then even, even then, I get some looks like, unleavened bread? What is that? Like a cracker? It's strange to, you know, and it feels strange to stand out. And if, and it, you know, just like a cannibal would be strange in society, right? We're eating the body and the blood of Jesus. Yeah. 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 That was Mike Blake, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a really important lesson for us to learn. I think we talked about this a few weeks back, maybe a couple of months ago. We are all worried about the mark of the beast. You know, even in our tradition, right? We have this. And yeah, you don't need to worry about it. You know, it, it's it's like, what's the mark of the beast? Well, it doesn't matter. The mark of God will make it so that the mark of the beast won't stick. Exactly. Exactly.
We like one, and not like the other. Yeah. Keep burying the old man, the old woman. They keep trying to get out of the grave. Zombies are real. All right. Any other thoughts? We've got a few minutes, yeah. David? Not, not remembering that part of his sacrifice was to remove those things and give us those healings. Yeah. If we can't forgive ourselves, then we're not loving ourselves, and how can we love others? It just it disables us. Yeah. And it's interesting, David, too, I did, I, when you were mentioning that about remembering the original Passover. I think maybe you and I were talking about it the other day, the original Passover in the homes, and then later it got, you know, recodified, and it was actually not in your home, but at the, at the tabernacle of the temple. But the, the thing in the original Passover was um, that they had to eat it with their staff in their hand, ready to go. And they're standing up, right? Ready to go. And that is, I think, a link to what Paul is saying that I read earlier. Understanding the time. That it's high time. We're ready to go. So every day, drinking of the blood, reading his word, eating his flesh, every day are we ready to go. Because on the way to work, that could be your last on the way to work. right? Every single day, we're just that heartbeat away. Uh, Regin and Keith.
boy, that's, that's powerful because that, that reminds me of the scripture we talked about yesterday, right? That we're not in the kingdom and we're looking in. And what it, would it be like for our loved ones to be in the kingdom and looking out, you know, and, and hearing the screams, right? <laughs> that we're not involved. Yeah, it's both sides of that story. I, I see where you're going, but remember who shut up the gate. God did, that's right. And that, that, again, can be one of those things that could turn us to, to look back, right? That's why Jesus said, narrow is the way. It's a narrow way, a narrow gate. And And God is merciful, right? Remember that passage we read right yesterday, that he sent blindness so they would not see because he's reserving them for later, you know, and that's why we do see that second resurrection. And I, I, I don't, you know, there's no way I can say this from Scripture, but when, you, when Jesus is telling us how narrow the way is, I'm hoping that it's just for now and that, when the kingdom of God is here, when people are resurrected again and have another opportunity, that maybe the gate will be opened a lot wider. You know, they're still going to have to do the same thing. They're still going to have to eat the body and drink the blood and walk the walk and live the life. But it's got to be easier, right? Satan bound for a thousand years. The kingdom of God here, God ruling on the earth, not corrupt man. I mean, if that's not the most ideal way to come to the way of life, then, you know, I don't know what is. Do they ever really say that, though? <laughs>
I think I know a little. I think I know uh, a young boy that might help the Egyptians come along. Somebody had a hand up back there, Amanda. Have your hand up. Yeah, those neural connections are made very rapidly. And then just a few times traveling down that road, and it, they're well-worn I mean, before, before we know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, any other closing thoughts? We're right at uh, 11 o'clock, and we'll all turn into pumpkins if we go past the time. Go ahead. I want to do another commercial for God. <laughs> Yeah. We're not going to worry too much. 
<laughs> too many words, not enough pictures. not that's the wrong way to look at it right because then you know there's not the motivation there and I think what we've we've all talked about today really and I'm just going to close this with with Ephesians chapter 4 because this has been really good this is good stuff we need to do more of this you know and we can do it by calling somebody on the phone we can do it by studying and being uh, led by a good spiritual guide or study um, correspondence course so on but remembering this purpose, this is the purpose right here. In verse 13, he says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. Anybody there? Anybody there yet? So we, are we complete yet? No. So even, you know, even though the word means complete, we're still not there yet. There's still more to learn. We're still here for a reason to the measure of the, full, of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by Facebook or the news media or our obsessive thoughts or take our pick, right? You, you guys had your own lists of things that distract from walking in faith. Whatever that may be, no longer tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of the world and of man. I mean, the, the whole world is a, a just a, a banquet table, right? A banquet table of everything that is bad for our spiritual soul. And we are called to be radical fundamentalist Christians who are on a strict no-world diet, right? Some of us are on grain-free diets and things like that. We are called to be on, not on any diet to do with this world but unto the next world. So he said, uh, where were we? by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. And that's, I think, also to remember. It isn't just that we have enticements over here and advertisements over here to live an alternate life or to eat wrong spiritual food. There is somebody trying to lace our food. There's somebody after us. He's the enemy, and he wants us dead. No bones about it. And the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ Jesus. Can we close in prayer? Eternal Father, we just thank you for this time, for this time of study time that we had to uh, focus on you, on your word, on your son, on his body, his blood, and on some of the things that that means to us. And, and we're just grateful, Father, that we could share together and we could have insight and, and we could share the truth that you have shown to each one of us and, and our life experiences as we continue this Christian walk together, Father. We just pray that this bond of of brotherhood and the spirit that you have created between each one of us continues to grow stronger, that you bring us in that unity to the fullness and the stature of your son. We just thank you for this day. We thank you for this beautiful weather and this special holy day that you've presented for us to enjoy. We just pray that the rest of this day would be edifying to our souls and uplifting. We just pray all of this now, Father, in our Savior's name, in Jesus' name. Amen.